Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get into the show, fun fact, this podcast was born out of a newsletter that we started way back in 2012. People really seem to like it, and we think you will too. It's a quick hit list of 10 things we've discovered recently that we love. Everything from recipes to beauty products to books to tools to truly anything that excites us. We send it every Monday. We do take some holidays off, and it's free. Sign up at a thing or two HQ.com. Here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will give you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. To share your thoughts with other podcast listeners, join our Geneva. Um, Hi. Hi. We got a really good listener email in response to our thingies episode with Jamie Beck where we talked about the idea of hate gifting. Mm -hmm. And the subject line of this email from our listener, Chris, was a hate gift to love. Mm -hmm. And I just really loved pitching into this idea. Mm -hmm. I really thought this was like very savvy and smart. And I think that Chris is 100% right that this is a good hate gift. She said, I work for Moms for Moms NYC, a nonprofit that supports new single mothers in need by providing essential postpartum recovery and newborn baby items. During the holidays, we offer donors the chance to gift our newborn baby bundle and or postpartum recovery kit in someone's honor. It seems to me this could be a perfect gift for those considered challenging gifties. That's a nice reframing of hate mm-hmm. gifting. It's <laughs> good reframing. It's a one size fits all present that delivers good no matter who you're gifting. Yes. Delivers good no matter who you're gifting. It's perfect. It's perfect. I love it. I do too. It is also, by the way, something that you can purchase last minute. Yes. Yes. Which, hello, welcome. It's, you know, December 12th. Let's do it. Let's get this taken care of. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, people. Last week, (laughs) you were out of town. Mm -hmm. Chris and Cam were out of town. Mm -hmm. And we both kind of have been on this like multi-year-long romantic fiction bender. You kept making the case to me that Normal People was was a romance novel. Well, I you mean, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean for that to be an accusation. No, no, no. I no. I <laughs> yeah. think it's like very romance adjacent. It is. I think it, it, it's it like, absolutely is. 
And I think it could basically be like, it's like a gateway drug to yes, romance. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, all, all the important people in my life were out of town. So I was like, this is when I'm going to read this book. I mainlined it. And then within minutes of finishing it, I queued up the TV show because I also felt under pressure where I was like, I, I have you to must do all this, this before, before everybody's yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. I mean, you know, <laughs> like everybody else. I just, just like everyone else. I mean, the one thing so I will say, good. the one thing I will say is I shouldn't have watched the show by myself during the first week of Daylight Savings because it leveled me. The book did not. The book I thought was incredible. But then the show, even though it is so accurate to the book, was a completely different experience and a completely different level of emotional trauma. And sorry, because I know everybody else worked through this and made all their friends talk about it two years ago, and I'm making all my friends talk about it now. But I was just really stunned by how well the book and the TV show paired. Usually yes. it feels like they're either One's two derivative totally, of the other, yes, but they're exactly. not. They're like related content, but they're not the same. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had an experience like that where I consume the same art, the same story in two different mediums, and it feels like one enriches the other. If you have the the emotional fortitude, do recommend consuming them both in close succession because I was very impressed by that experience. And and yeah, now and then I had I was in this situation of all of my friends consumed this thing two years ago, and I was like getting together for drinks with people, and they'd be like, "So how are you?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, but all I want to talk about is normal people." And I know that <laughs> you've done that before. <laughs> and throwback, and, yeah. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> you know what? I'm not sure got discussed enough, or at least not in my circles. Obviously, Connell's chain got all of the love that there mm -hmm. is to give a, a necklace, right? Yeah. But the sweaters in that show, mm. I thought were fantastic on both him and her. Really? I thought it was just in really strong sweaters, really strong knitwear. Yeah. I barely noticed her knitwear. I was really fascinated in the high school scenes by her lace racerback bras. Oh, interesting. In yeah, general, I, I don't really a, remember those as, as much. like a character device. I was fascinated by them. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> is she wearing? I think she was wearing them to be sexy for Connell. And this was her sort of like this bralette was her idea of being sexy for him. Probably. God, I think the whole show, like I'm like Harry Styles level of obsessed. I think it was so good. Duh, Claire. Duh. I mean, this I could have seen it coming a mile away. Of course you could have. And, I, you know, I'm glad I waited until now to do it when I when I had the I had the space in my life to really to really appreciate it. I didn't. You and I talked about this, but I felt like the the thing that I thought was interesting about it was that the sex in both the show and the book were so well done. And of course, it's sexy, but I found it to be like more uh, moving than. Yeah. Yeah. Than yeah more hot. emotional. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And I it, this gets back to our conversation a little bit about After Dark. We didn't really get into this, but like this. The second chapter of that After Dark conversation is that we as a culture have lost the thread of what is sexy. The thing about normal people, if it was, of course, like it's sexy and it and the sex is really, really well done. But I'm like, well, I think I it's think also the parsing of sexy and hot, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know that yeah. I thought it was hot. I'm, this is so far from a critique or a criticism of normal people because I just I truly think because it is again. The, because wow, again, I, you put them on the Harry Styles pedestal. Right. There is no higher plane. Again, this is the Harry Styles of stories. I like cried at one of the sex scenes because I thought it was so beautiful, but I wasn't like oh my gosh, this is so hot. I'm so turned on right now. I was just like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And this is a portrayal of sex that we don't normally get on the screen. But I can't wait for there to be like a, a normal people live show and for you to be. <laughs> <laughs> 
This um, time I'm going to watch it at the same time as the rest of the world. I think that's it. I think so that it. I can be part of the cultural conversation. I would also like to ask our listeners, are there like what are the entertainment things that because we have not discussed them on this show, you are concerned that we have not consumed? Because I want these nominations. Mm. Leave us a voicemail, pop into Geneva, something, mm. something, something. Yeah. Oh, so today's guests, exciting. Guest thingies with Monica Kemsarov and Jill Singer, who are the masterminds behind Sight Unseen, which has been our go-to design resource since 2009 when they launched. Their content is always ahead of the curve. And if you ever get a chance to go to one of their offsites, please do it. Their first book, How to Live with Objects, is out now. It's this really compelling combination of inspiration and education and just like service. Like, mm. no, but like, how do I right. do this? How do I find things that are meaningful to me? How do I source these things? There's just a lot to love. Hi, you two. Hi. Hello. Hey, Hello. Hello. Hello, old friends. Old friends. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe how long we've all been like in this milling about this world together. Strange. <laughs> Strange. Strange. <laughs> Can we talk about this book? I was thinking when I was reading it, I was like, God, there must have been so many ideas milling around mm -hmm. for potential books that you all could have done and so many things that people pitched you on for years. Why this book? No. Why was it? No, no. This was <laughs> like, why this? I was so anti-book before this opportunity came around. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. I mean, the natural book project for a website like ours is always to do like a roundup of homes mm -hmm. uh -huh, or uh -huh, a roundup uh -huh. of past stories or something about the content that you've already created, whether it be, you know, a new take on that or, you know, whatever. A like, repackage, a shiny repackaging of that. Re exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I yeah. think that's what, whenever I thought about like a sight unseen book, that's what I thought about. And that was not interesting to me at all. Yes. Yes. So. It's never something, I mean, I don't know, Jill, I don't know if you thought about it before this book, but I didn't. People had, you know, said to us at parties, how come you guys don't ever do a book or something like that? And my thought was always, oh, we have way too much going on to right. do a book. Mm -hmm. But then it was April 2020 and we did mm -hmm. kind of have a lot. <laughs> we, and we had nothing going kind on. Kind of had a lot going on. Uh-huh. I mean, uh -huh. I was homeschooling I my had a children lot of and preparing, going on. preparing an <laughs> online design fair, but... <laughs> You know, there was some mental space to think about it. And an agent came to us and she said, everyone wants an interiors book right now. All the publishers are asking for one. I think you could be the one to write one. And we were kind of, we were, okay. we were like, okay, we'll, we'll explore this for a little bit and see how it goes. I love this idea of how to live with objects because I think that it's something that really came into focus for so many people during the last couple of years when we were just spending mm -hmm. so much time in ho at home, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you're not someone who was going to bring in an interior designer and maybe redo a whole home or redo a whole space mm -hmm. or like wallpaper room or whatever it was going to be, objects are the way that people really started mm -hmm. to make those shifts and express who they were in their own spaces. And people just did it like we were obviously we were starting to write with Instagram and Pinterest and just the way people are like filming in their own spaces that was starting to happen but this was the thing that just took off mm -hmm, um, totally and it was very personal for me because I have a gross old apartment in Brooklyn and you know I've always said that even though I'm more of a minimalist I've had to cram it full of stuff because it's the only way to cover mm -hmm. up like how bad the bones of the apartment are <laughs> So I live with a lot of objects and actually it struck me like one of the people we interviewed for the book was a European design curator named Matilda Tchaikovsky. And she said in the book that inviting objects into your home is like inviting friends into your home. 
Mm. And that for me was so true during the pandemic because I was so lonely. I mean, I was by myself, single, you know, in my apartment for three months and it felt like my objects were my only friends. <laughs> yeah, fair. So not fair. only did I live with them from a perspective, they actually kept me company, I felt, during pandemic. So I think that's a case for so many people. Mm-hmm. It was the case for so many people. And then the the sort of impact of that is long lasting, right? Mm-hmm. It shifts your relationship. It shifts your realization of what it means to live with a thing in your house. Yeah. And I think people have really have just a heightened awareness of that now. Thank you so much to Nutrafol for sponsoring today's episode. You want to know one of the many things that I love about Nutrafol? Yes. In this moment where I just feel like there's so many supplements and pills and whatnot that I'm supposed to be taking, I love that Nutrafol, like, it all works. And I know I personally have seen it work. They've got the clinical trials to back it up. But also the fact that it's all natural stuff that you know is like, it's the stuff that is also making your nails stronger and your skin better. And is like giving you a little bit, like it's just a good supplement that's not doing other weird stuff that I need to worry about. Or I'm like, how is this actually working? It's just like, it's not like trendy ingredients where you're not like, oh, is this, is there just like a flash in the pan kind of thing? Exactly. It's just like, it's good stuff you're putting in your body. And it also happens to help make your hair better, which is great. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural drug-free medical grade ingredients and consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code a thing or two to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code a thing or two. What's the vibes? I'm EJ, head of special projects at DBA, and this is Who's On Content, a show that explores and dissects the influential, behavioral-altering power of content through thought-provoking, culturally relevant, and industry-shifting dialogues. We're chatting with social media platform leaders, marketers, journalists, and content creators contributing to the content shaping the global society we live in. I mean, folks, let's face it. Content is everywhere. It's visual. It's audible. Hell, it's even edible. Go with me for a second. The content of your favorite restaurant informs the content of your Yelp review. (laughs) See what we did there? Tune in to hear who's on content. I think also, you know, because people were searching for this kind of like sense of comfort, there was this urge to buy stuff, you know? Yeah. And in the book, you know, we definitely advocate for being incredibly intentional about that and figuring out why this thing appeals to you or what appeals to you about it. But it's funny that like people really actually did just acquire a bunch of stuff. 
I love the way that this book combines these beautiful inspirational images of, you know, people's homes and objects in people's homes and how they're interacting and, and playing off each other and then still lives of objects and then stories about, you know, how to think about vintage or how to think about garage sales and, and all of this, but then also just really instructive, useful stuff about sourcing yeah. and how to become good at that, how to hone those skills, what it looks like in different mediums or formats. And that for me was the thing that I'm like, oh, no one's ever said any of these things to me. No one's ever been like, here's how you shop a flea market. And here's how well, you know if something's good at a flea market. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the funny thing is, I think that potentially some people, professionals potentially, were trying to keep that a secret for a long yes. time. There was like right. a little bit of gatekeeping mm -hmm. going on. Where yeah, it, for it sure. was like, well, I want to be the one to find these things. So I don't want to tell anyone how I did it. And I do think that, right. you know, the internet has kind of opened the floodgates for that a little bit and people are sharing that kind of thing. But yeah, we realized that <laughs> let's just tell everyone exactly what to do because it just makes it so much easier and it makes it really fun to read and a thing that hasn't yeah. really been published before. And even just like, how do you find an estate sale? Like all of these things that were so oblique, like, you know, you're just like, what? Mm -hmm. How? I don't know. What, and then I'm intimidated to go and because I don't know what I do when mm -hmm. I show up. And yeah, having all that laid out, it's surprising that in the age of the Internet, that feels so new and fresh and rare. Mm -hmm. And there still were things people like did not. They were like, I, I can't tell you that. I can't, <laughs> or you can't put that. You can't put that in press. <laughs> I mean, I I had never shopped at an auction before. Like, mm. I have no idea how to shop at an auction. So that actually was the most, like, I'm a lifetime long thrifter and vintage shopper. But, you know, the coming soon co-founders, like, they told us sort of the, you know, the nitty gritty of how to shop at an auction. I was like, whoa, I just learned something. Another thing that really spoke to me is that you don't, there's not like a hierarchy of objects in the book. There's not this sense of like, this, you know, this mid-century coveted piece is like worthier, better, more interesting, whatever, than some piece of handmaid's children's pottery that you found on a stoop. And mm -hmm. I think that that is a really special way to approach this of just appreciating objects for like the sort of magical things that they are and can be to you. And just the, the like object appreciation factor of it feels very fun and exciting and like sort of like an all levels game, you know, at that point. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked a lot about in the book how you don't like this idea of being a collector, you know, has been put on this high pedestal. Like to be a collector, you need to acquire these fancy, expensive things, you know, but honestly, being a collector just means collecting objects that you love, being aware of what's in front of you, what what you like, you know, looking at objects like in a store or whatever, you know, and and it doesn't have to be about the value of the objects. And the funny thing is, if you if you talk to people about collecting art and design, the experts, they will always say the same thing. They'll say, don't buy works based on how much like you think they'll appreciate. Like every every right. expert will always say that, like, do not buy art and design as an investment because you never know what's going to happen and that's like you should buy it because you love it you know it's always talked about in the context of buying these really expensive things that probably will appreciate value but but the but the point's true for everyone you know it's like why worry about what an object is worth are you really going to like go out and try to make money on it is that your job like what is that <laughs> like is that the goal here right. like no the goal is to live with things that you think are amazing and cool like so why would you you know why think about that in the intro you both talk about 
objects that you lived with when you were kids that shaped your appreciation for this. And I was wondering if you could mm-hmm. share some of those. I feel like they gave like a good taste of who you are and where you came from. And yeah, and just like how you developed the sensibility. You know, it's funny because my parents are aware of design. They weren't, I don't think that interested in it. Although I think my mom did hire a decorator at some point. And their taste was not outlandish, but the things that stick out to me were things that were kind of crazy. Mm. We had this green tropical floral sofa, like in kind of like the dining room, like next to the dining room table. And it was like embroidered. So it was kind of like had these little like pillowy, like Mm, um, like textural elements, textural elements to it. (laughs) Yeah. And then we had this lamp that had a reproduction of one of those tapestries that are at the cloisters with the unicorns on them, unicorn in captivity or whatever it's called. And then some things that were just like super, super 80s, like shell bookends or something like that. And Mary Mekoshi, like things that in the 80s, you didn't, you weren't like buying those to specifically be a design person. They were just everywhere. Right? Yes. Yes. Monica, how about you? Mine's a little more boring because it was more designy, which... I don't know why, because neither of my parents were necessarily like in, you know, design or art. Like a lot of people that we know in this world are like, oh, my parents were architects and they, you know, I I went to like art museums and party, whatever, you know, that was not the case for me growing up. But my father, he's Georgian and he lived in Russia and a couple of parts of Europe before moving to the States. And he was a little bit more of the culture person. And so I grew up with like... <laughs> Marcel Breuer Cheska chairs in the kitchen. Well, I think it was like a fake Bossily chair in the living room. <laughs> My parents didn't have money. So I think I'm like, maybe it was all fake. I don't know. But still, it was the idea was, you know, there, you know, I have this like all beige living room, a really beautiful marble coffee table that actually was my mom's parent. And that was like a wormly. So that, you know, I had nice things in my room growing up. I had a like these like super Memphis bed sheets and in the kitchen there was also this amazing like thing that I cannot believe it disappeared because I would want it now it was like a textile wall art piece that was like this puffy textile of a Perrier bottle with like a giant hand pouring out at the water it was insane I have a photo of it somewhere but I I'm so upset that my parents like lost track of that they lost track of everything so all the great stuff we had is gone can we use that as a lead into your thingies? Sure. Who has a thingy they want to share? I wanted to talk about buying housewares or, you know, things for your house that are oversized. Yes. Like way, mm. way out of scale. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we've been thinking about this for kind of a few years now. And obviously, like it's part of the zeitgeist. I think there was a Vice article about it in 2019 or 2021 or something. The funny thing is Monica and I did a show at one of those Urban Outfitters concept shops in LA. I think it was called Space 1520. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 2015. And our concept for like the design of the show was we asked the designer, A.D. Goodrich, to like blow up the objects that we'd commissioned for the store. Huge wall panels in the store. Mm. And we were inspired by this 80s store called Think Big. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No. no. Okay. So Think Big was the store. I think it was in Soho. I think it opened in like 1979. Perfect. And it was opened by these like two artist friends who just like loved collecting oversized things. And they sold, you know, giant Crayola crayons, 
six foot pencils. Like this is kind of like a lot of where that little, that aesthetic originated. I love that. I know. I think they actually furnished Tom Hanks' apartment in Big. Well, I was going to say Big. I was going to say it it, it makes you think of Big and the keyboard. That is immediately what comes to mind. I like that Tom Hanks carried that through. I like that. I know. That really left an impression for him. (laughs) Really shaped his aesthetic. They also had an amazing catalog that I'm sure like you can now find on Etsy for a million dollars. This is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So where can we find this stuff? Okay. So the funny thing is Think Big actually turned into a website eventually called greatbigstuff.com. And this is extremely (laughs) kitschy. Like I, I mean, it's a look for sure. Like if you want a foot long dreidel or like a giant tennis racket, like greatbigstuff.com is your place. Oh my God. A a solo cup. (laughs) <laughs> like a red solo cup, but it's not actually, I mean, the solo cup is only six times bigger than a standard solo cup. Like you can still hold it in your hand. Right. I would like it to be right. sculptural yeah, scale. Right. But like, if you're, I'm looking for the Richard Sarah size. Yes. So like, I feel cup. like if you're looking for something that's a bit more sophisticated or sculptural or made from more interesting materials, the auction sites, play markets are going to be the way to go. There's like a, a lot of oversized stuff in the book. Like one of the people we interviewed, Jonathan Pesson, has a store in LA called Not For Sale. And he had, when we visited, like a huge fabric Mr. Good bar that's like half open. So you like see the chocolate. Mm. He had a so huge good. Victor mousetrap. He had like a big giant hand, a huge lipstick. Jonathan, though, the design dealer now claims that he's over it. Interesting. He's now disavowed his, he's like, okay, it's too popular. I'm done. Is he moving into miniatures? Because I think if so, you can get like, you can put a closet full of those. Yeah. Right. I love miniatures. I like miniatures too. Yeah. I like miniatures too. Because that are the wrong scale or just like endlessly appealing, like no matter too big, too small. Thank you so much to Noise Off Bazaar for sponsoring today's episode. I'm both a little proud and sad to say that three years after Of A Kind shut down, one of the questions we continue to get is like, where do I shop now? Um, mm-hmm. Where do I find like Of A Kind E designers and like on the internet, ideally, now that you all don't exist. And it's just a thrill to be able to say Noise Off Bazaar, which is a resale platform. It's amazing. And so in addition to it being the kind of designer that we get really excited about, it's also like secondhand, which we've been increasingly more excited about. You've heard us talk about that on the podcast a million zillion times at this point. Um, there's just like that fun and discovery and like the sort of constant joy of being like, oh, that thing that I love from five seasons ago is here yes. waiting for me today. The best, the very best. Noise Off Bazaar is the only peer-to-peer resale market focused on independent fashion labels. A community of slow fashion enthusiasts buying, selling quality goods from adult to kid, clothing, home goods, and vintage gems. Their team curates every single single item that is submitted, which means no more digging through the abyss of fast fashion items. Noise Off Bazaar offers a boutique type shopping experience, but with all secondhand items. It's a great way to try and discover new brands without paying the full retail price. Buying and selling are both easy, fun, and secure. They foster a community of buyers and sellers who appreciate well-made items in a circular economy. Listing is free and their selling fee is lower than big resale sites. Visit noiseoffbazaar.com. N-O-I-H-S-A-F that's fashion spelled backwards, B-A-Z-A-A-R.com to buy, sell, and make new friends. Noiseoffbazaar.com. Thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring today's episode. 
as you know, we use ZocDoc. We love ZocDoc. We try to make other people use ZocDoc. We just I use ZocDoc today. For love, example. Yeah. For example. But sometimes when I cannot convince other people to use ZocDoc, people who are in my family, I use ZocDoc for them. And I learned that this was something I could do recently in booking some medical care um, for a family member. I realized that you could book for someone else. So I emailed customer service and they walked me through it and they were very quick and efficient about it and just like gave me everything I wanted from a customer service experience. So basically, as you're going through the process of booking, as you click like review and book, it'll ask who will be seeing the doctor. And then there's a link that says someone else and you can like fill in somebody else's information. That is truly wonderful and remarkable. And I will be using that for Cameron. Exactly. I love it. it. Cam's probably not old enough for his own ZocDoc account. So here we go. Probably not. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. On ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun. Whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mold checked out or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find and book doctors with a few taps. Find and review local doctors. Read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone who is in your network and who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two. Find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule or, hey, your family member's schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and we are two of them. It's our go-to whenever we need to find and book a quality doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's zocdoccom slash a thing or two. ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two. Monica, do you have a thingy for us? Yeah, my thingies are really weird. I think the less random weird one is um, Indoor Fountain, which I just Mm. thought of today. Basically... I am an ASMR nerd. I think I've had, I've definitely had ASMR like since I was a kid because my mom had this good friend who was a kindergarten teacher and her voice was very ASMR-y and I would go over to her house with my mom and she'd start talking and I would go into this insane trance where I like (laughs) was so relaxed I couldn't speak. I didn't know that it was weird though until I heard the Radio Lab episode on ASMR and then I was like, oh, what? I didn't know this was a thing. Right. I thought it was everybody. Yes. So I'm really into ASMR. And part of that is fountain, like just the way they sound. And I, my fountain obsession started when I went to a friend of a friend's house in Venice, in LA. And when you walked in to the main hallway, there was a fountain inside, like in their atrium. And throughout mm-hmm. like the common areas of the house, you could just hear the fountain all the time. And I was like, oh, that's my dream. So my dream is to have an amazing house with a fountain in the middle, but also I got a, obviously obsessed with miniature fountains, which is a little more accessible. <laughs> a bit, just a bit. Yeah. A starter fountain, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A couple of years ago, I, di- I discovered this ceramicist, Lily, Lily Clark. She um, is a ceramicist who is making these like gorgeous designy fountains. Mm. And we, we published them on our site. She's now sort of scaled up to like bigger, more expensive art safe fountains but i bought one of her tabletop fountains in the beginning like when she was making them and i love it these are beautiful very hip how do you feel about the fountain at laguardia what a is great that question do anything for you i have never I seen never a fountain at LaGuardia. From laguardia 
Oh, you've got to. LaGuardia is the place to be. If you love a fountain, so nice. If you love a fountain, this is the place for you. Man, I've got to go. I avoid JFK at all costs now because LaGuardia has just completely leapfrogged it and they have an incredible indoor fountain. I mean, they used to have they used to have just rain dripping from the ceiling, which was their water feature. (laughs) But now it's intentional. Erica, I never thought about that, but I feel like, wow, maybe somebody there was like, it's it's an an homage. Upgrade our fountain. Yeah, upgrading the leaky ceiling. I'll look it up. What else are you guys excited about? You guys talked on a while ago on the show about uniform eating. And something mm. I've been thinking about lately is treating, it's basically like, okay, it's this idea of like finding the best thing of something and only ever buying that one. Yes. And yes. Mm-hmm. I think it started from like my skincare because I don't, I, I had this thing called perioral dermatitis after both my kids were born. And I could not figure out how to do it. And finally, this friend of ours, who's a makeup artist, Jessa Blades, came and did my makeup one day. She was like, let's talk about your skin. And she told me to like mm-hmm. stop doing everything. And she gave me this like Marie Veronique barrier lipid complex mm-hmm. thing. And I yes. just that for like the longest time. And mm-hmm. it completely fixed my problem, which was incredible. Wow. I've kind of also been doing the same thing with like ingredients like stuff in my pantry like there's a Japanese coffee shop I live in Greenpoint called Acre and they started selling this Mm -hmm. they started selling this rice that's from a place I think in like Westchester called like Rice Factory and they instead of like getting it milled somewhere else they mill it in-house and it's the best rice I've ever had I'm Erica and I both our eyes are huge we both eat so much rice and I also have not sourced rice. rice that I feel strongly about Yes, I feel really strongly. We about talked it. recently about I pretty much exclusively cook Japanese sushi rice for everything, even if it's not a Japanese meal. It's I'm good. just like it's just the superior yeah. style of yeah. rice. It's a polished and so rice. I just always it's want a polished it. Rice. Well, and Cal, is Cal this, Rose is the other great one. Yes, people love Cal Rose. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What style of rice is this one you're getting, Jill? Is it, is it a basmati? It's or not a basmati. Short it's short grain. Yeah, okay. and they have okay. like a little hard grain. grain. They have a little chart on the yeah. on the bag where it starts at white and then there's like percentage of like the brand that's gone or whatever until you get to brown until you get to brown and it's delicious and I I bought it at Acre they they kind of got rid of the small bags so they only had this giant five pound bag and the guy was like you know this is fifty dollars right I was like yes I need this right. Related to this and your like large things thing, one of our gifting hacks or not even hacks, just gifting things is buying people really large versions of things they love. Just yes. like going really mm. hard at it, like a consumable, like a food product. Yeah. Like yeah. they sell those Maldon salt buckets that are like 30 that. bucks. Yes. And it's like yes. 12 times the salt that you get in the box. So it's also just a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think like the regular, maybe, there, maybe the rice isn't quite a deal. Maybe it's like $20 for the two pound bag or whatever but still it's great I highly recommend I started just buying it from the website and they have they love like drops I swear to god but it's because it's because <laughs> they only get shipments like once every stuff you know like three months or something so they have rice that's basically between white and brown they have like beige wow yes well, I think that's I don't the know if that's a technical for term wow. for it but, yeah. <laughs> but in my mind beige, beige is what is- I want beige is what I want yes huh yeah. Okay. So, wow. And I've done it wow. with like almond butter. I've done it with like. What's your almond butter? It's from a place 
called Glazer Organic Farms. And these two things I've mentioned, I should say, are both like on the more expensive end of things. But like, you know, if you think that like Woodstock dill pickles are the best pickles you've ever had, then you should just only ever buy Woodstock dill pickles. Because, because everything else so is a nice. disappointment. Yeah, it's just like so nice to like have that when you go instead of being like, oh, this is like the almond butter that like doesn't dissolve in your smoothie or like, you know, like in your overnight oats or whatever you're making. Monica, will you give us one of your weird ones? Yeah, well, I was thinking about this and it's not really like, it's more of like a rant. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take it. Bring it, bring it. So it's microwaves. (laughs) Oh, yes. And you're pro or anti? She's going to talk about this. I am very pro. Mm. So this one sort of came about a couple of years ago because I was staying in a lot of, you know, sublets or Airbnbs or whatever. And it started to become very like when you stay in a sublet for like a month or two, you know, you're sort of living your more normal life and you're cooking and you're doing all these things. And it became more apparent to me how fewer and fewer people had a microwave in their apartment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I started noticing it. And it bothered me because I use microwaves mostly to reheat leftovers, which it's incredibly convenient for. But I started noticing it. And and from time to time, I would, if it was a friend who didn't have a microwave, for example, I would ask like, oh, you don't have a microwave? And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I, I haven't had a microwave like for years, like no way. And I would ask, okay, well, why? Like, why don't you have one? Because it became this like sort of moral high ground <laughs> snobbery thing I thought like, totally. let me tell you about microwave. totally 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 <laughs> microwave like of course not you know like there's just this whole it's it's the I don't have a tv of the yeah. 90s yeah. Like, yeah 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 no totally I as yeah. I yeah. I'm not so as I a person started... who doesn't have a tv or a microwave but please, please keep going I love it and it's fine I mean whatever no listen so, yeah. The point yeah is the point is when I asked people why don't you have a microwave you know if if someone had answered well, I just would never use it. Like, no yeah. big deal, fine, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But people kept saying, oh, like they would like wrinkle their nose and be like, oh, they're, they're bad, you know, but they would never have a reason why. Like, I'd be like, well, why are they bad? No one knew. Mm-hmm. Like, how moms or Monica's doing the Socratic method with Minecraft. <laughs> and I was like, you guys are all like sticking your nose up at the microwave and you don't even know like the science behind it, which obviously I'm, I'm a science person. So that just bothers me in general and like mm-hmm. if you're gonna like do that like know the fact so i started looking it up <laughs> yeah just to like reinforce my position and kind of come back to be, be able to come back to people and be like yeah this is why they're fine you know and it's actually like yeah microwaves are amazing like of all the ways of cooking food they're either in the middle or in the, the top of preserving nutrients hmm. and the, and the thing is at times when i haven't had a microwave and i've been trying to like reheat Especially rice. Rice is the one that's like the absolute yeah. worst if you're trying to read yes. it in a pair. Yes. Yeah. I, st- I like gotta, steam it in a colander. Yeah. 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 There's a David Chang microwave cookbook that people are like very into. I think he's involved with this dishware brand called Any Day that is, di- it's, it is microwave dishware. Oh, yeah. It is for cooking yeah. in the microwave. Those hacks. I've cooked nice. rice in a microwave like from scratch. Yeah. And I've cooked eggs. Obviously, oh, popcorn, your favorite I, thing I to microwave. It's Monica. Well, leftovers, it's boring. Just leftovers. David Chang's book is called Cooking at Home or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About Recipes and Love My Microwave. Great title. And everything's in the microwave? I don't know if everything's in the microwave. That's a good question. Okay. Maybe it's just one tool. Yeah. There are so many parts of your life where convenience is a positive thing. You know what I mean? Where 
if something's faster, easier, better, we embrace it because of course, you know, like if you have a washing machine and you get a really great washing machine for your clothes and it like makes everything faster and more convenient, great. But then there are these certain things where like we're snobby about it. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, Totally. Totally. Monica, you'll be thrilled to know that in this book, he explains how does a microwave work anyway? You are welcome. And there's a recipe. There are like recipes. There's a section on microwave cooking and there's a chicken thighs recipe. There's a fried rice recipe. Well, obviously I'm getting this And then a whole other things I love to microwave section. Other things I love to microwave. That's funny because I would be like, oh, there's no way I would cook a raw chicken in the microwave. Like that sounds terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. No, Monica's not scared at all. Monica's not even remotely scared. No, no, no. I love it. I'll see your salmonella and I'll raise you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can cut it open and see if it's pink. I mean, come on. Yes. Yes. You got to learn the technique. Obviously, you're not going to stick it in there and high for 20 minutes or you know what I mean? Like, you got to know. But But my goodness, like, let it help you. Let it help you. You have to imagine like the person who invented the microwave, like, is just so dismayed. They're like, oh, God, look what's happening. (laughs) Where did it go? All this misinformation. All this trendy crap of like, anyway. And and rant. You guys get it. You get it. Um, do you all have one last last quick thingies to end us on? So one thing we talk about as a practical tip in the book is if you are searching for vintage, especially, and I don't know if this exists for anything else besides vintage, but if you're using an online marketplace like eBay, Live Auctioneers, Cherish, you Cra- should be- Craigslist. Craigslist. Oh, Craigslist. You should be saving your searches of your little keywords, whether it's like, Pierre Cardin lamp or like Italian art glass or something like that. Because if you save your search and you like sign up for an email, you get just like a daily digest of anything that matches these search terms in your inbox every day. And for some people who do this already, this is like incredibly obvious. But I like really only just learned about it probably four years ago when I was when I moved to Greenpoint and I was really like actively looking for stuff. And it kind of changed my life for a while. I have actually now turned them off because I get too much email. But it was so fun to just like see what's out there. And, you know, one of the reasons we advocate for it in the book is because we're talking about how you should really like get to know your objects. And when you do this, it really like kind of educates you about like what else is in the market, like what else is kind of matching those search terms, even if it's not an exact match how much those things are worth, what they're going for, what you should be paying for them. I love that. I also think the other reason to advocate for it is because it does help you become a a more thoughtful consumer just in the sense Mm -hmm. that like you don't have to sit down, Mm -hmm. spend 30 minutes at your computer and know that by the end of it, you are going to have to buy something, right? You can treat it as... You can treat it as something where you're like, I know I want this thing. I'm going to put it out into the world in this very specific way into the universe. Tell the universe, I want this thing. Keep an eye out for it in this way. You're passively hunting. Such that when the right one, yeah, when the right thing comes to you, then you can get it. And and I I love that that sort of like, it is this very sort of deliberate way of embodying that philosophy of like, you don't have to just like go chase the thing mm-hmm, all the time. Mm-hmm. You can let the stuff come to you, like move through the world in a way where you know what you want. And when you see it, you will get it, but you don't have to buy everything yourself yeah, up to exactly. it. Well, yeah. yeah. And also the thing about that is that 
your search terms can be as specific or as general as you want. Yeah. I do think, Jill, that yes, a lot of people know about this, but I think a lot of people maybe don't think about it in the way that you two are describing it as a sort of as an educational tool for one, because I never think about it that way, Mm -hmm. but you're so right. Like we learn so much about design just by searching for specific things. Mm-hmm. And I, I love And that. just the re- the repetition of seeing things in your inbox and just being mm-hmm. ex- like in this like very mm-hmm. yeah, passive way that you're just like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm cataloging things without actively doing it. Yeah. And you don't even have yeah. to buy anything ever if you no. don't want to. Never. Right. Never. You're like, oh, yeah. this, it's so great that all this stuff is out in the world. And then yes. that's the end of it. Yes. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's the show. <laughs> This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ, and if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.